0: Hello and welcome to EMS at Sea Level, from my home to yours. I'm Philip Stoughton and I'm joined today by Amar Hanspal from Bright Machines. Amar, great to talk to you. You need very little introduction, um, but I'll get you to give a brief introduction. But what I wanted to just, while I'm doing that, is mention your, your TED speech. I watched your TED speech from way back. You look younger now than you did then, so well <laughs> done on that. Thank you. Um, but I think when you've done those things and you've kind of set out the future of manufacturing, it, it's nice to look back on them and, and kind of, with some curiosity, to see to see how things went. But let's start with a brief introduction to to yeah. you and Bright Machines. Yeah,
1: well, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's great to uh, talk to you again. Um, my name is Mar Hansball. I am the CEO of Bright Machines and. Uh, I've been doing this project for about two and a half years now. I started in May of 2018. We're all about building an intelligent platform for industrial automation. Prior to Bright Machines, I was the co-CEO at Autodesk, which is a CAD CAM CAE software company. I was there for almost more than 25 years in a variety of roles, uh, from customer service to product support to product development eventually, and really in the last five to seven years there, uh, the cloud transformation of the company was something I was, you know, intimately involved in. Hmm. Um, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, and, uh, you know, I there's, uh, there's so much to, uh, to do and enjoy out here, and uh, yeah. I'm fortunate to work with some very smart people, and that's who yeah. I am. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, I mean, that's exciting being there at the moment, Amar, because there are so many interesting startups and particularly what I'm seeing is a bit of a renaissance of really cool startups in the manufacturing space, right. you know, operational excellence, manufacturing excellence, those trends have become sexy again. And right. I think we went through a long period in the EMS industry of those not being a priority, the priority being save saving money. But we'll, we'll come, we'll look back to that. Yeah. What I wanted to explore, first of all, was this crazy 2020 we've all been through, an insane year. You you survived and in some ways you you thrived and you were creative during that period. What did you learn about your own business and what did you learn about the manufacturing industry during that time?
1: Well, Philip, it was it was a, a little bit of a terrifying experience. <laughs> I honestly have to say 2020. I don't think anybody expected how quickly we went into this sort of Uh, everything frozen universe. And I would say, when I look back for our company, there was like three things that I walked away with for our own company. The first one was, you know, not having single points of failure. So I think one of the things that if you have operations and, you know, let's say our entire manufacturing was going to be done in Wuhan, you know, we would have been shut down for three months at a stretch. So, I think there was just, and fortunately we were not, and we had the ability, we had facilities in Israel and Mexico, and kind of as the virus went around the world, we were able to turn things up and turn other things down and kind of stay in business. So I think not having single points of failure was one. Second, you know, you and I speaking over Zoom and now we take this all for granted, but you think about how many businesses, and ours was no exception, had to reinvent digital ways of doing things. So for us, for example, delivering product to a customer and actually yeah. configuring the product used to involve us going physically or giving a demo to a customer involved, you know, us being sort of physically present and showing them the product we were building or, mm-hmm. you know, so collaborating in the office. So, We've learned to rethink, you know, what parts of our company actually should be done digitally. So that was yeah. another lesson that you learned is how much of you know it accelerated some of the things that we would have otherwise taken three years to do. We've accelerated a whole bunch of sort of digital reinvention yeah. of our company. That was yeah. the second lesson we learned. And third one is, you know, cash is king. You know, yeah. you have to really <laughs> be thoughtful about investments. Uh, don't get too far ahead and don't get too far behind in terms yeah. of, you know, you making the money count, um, yeah. saving money and then investing it in the right places. I think yeah. those are all things that I look back at the year and and, and learn.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. And they talk very much to resilience, don't they? Resilience and agility and, you know, cash, uh, cash allows you to do that. And right. I think your second point about, the digital transformation of our our business processes to make those remote to allow that work from home is really fascinating. Mm -hmm. Because I think when we look back at the seven-year journey of Industry 4.0, we focused a lot on the factory floor, on connectivity, on all those kind of ingredient technologies. But the business processes can be equally important, whether that's how you sell the product or whether it's how you manage your inventory, manage your supply chain, all those things have... Uh, have become equally important, and another area, as we know, is the way you market your business. You know, we nice. will have all been hanging out in um, Las Vegas last week, yes. um, partying hard at CES. We weren't able to do that, yeah. um, so we had to catch that virtually. And I thought that was, to me, a really good test of what right. could be done with, with uh, you know, a, a, a all digital event. Because if there's any event that would be a challenge to put online, it was that one. If there was sure. any association that had the budget to do it properly, it's the Consumer Tech Association. Yeah. And they did a great job. But everybody said, every journalist I spoke to said they still missed being there. Right. You didn't have the buzz. I don't know how you create that. Did you catch any of CES? No,
1: I, I just was so consumed with my universe. I did not. Yeah, absolutely. I, read, I read a couple of reports out in the press about CES, but I didn't see anything live
0: good stuff well you should read you should read my stuff on Forbes because I read your stuff on Forbes yeah, I really you're, like you're writing some really nice stuff there so uh, we appreciate that um, so yeah coming right up to date inauguration week it was it was relatively dull which I think we were all thankful for it was <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> relatively peaceful
1: yeah.
0: but it kind of sets this agenda up for um, made in the USA and creating sustainable manufacturing jobs. What do you think needs to be done to make the U.S. a world leader in terms of manufacturing? What you have, you know, you have the investment capital, you have the consumer market. Some of the ingredients are there, but what really needs to change?
1: Yeah, I mean, I a couple of... i I'll give you three things I've been thinking about. You know, one, I think, uh, you know, government generally... I mean, I think there's a leapfrogging involved. And I think, you know, when you think about how some of the other, uh, some of the technologies have been quickly adopted in uh, whether it's 5G or broadband or uh, electric vehicles, you know, there are nations that just skip generations of technologies and just go to the next one. They don't evolve, they kind of leapfrog. And I feel like, you know, the U.S. has the opportunity to leapfrog because the last means of manufacturing, which is this you know, big outsource thing all the way over to the other end of the world, using physical labor and large facilities, like don't bring that model back. I mean, yeah. there's a way of rethinking, like, how do you really do this in a different way? So I think having a mentality to leapfrog to the next idea, and I know this will sound self-serving, but the idea here is I do think automation and digital manufacturing is really that leapfrog that the industry wants uh, should should drive and I think the U.S. should pioneer that idea rather than I know because economically you can take manufacturing and turn it into jobs but the problem with jobs is that you know, U.S. labor rates and things like that you're just not going yeah. to be competitive with other parts of the world yeah. so I think leapfrogging a way to prime that right. I think the government has done this in the past where you know, the space program in the 60s, the infrastructure program in the 50s, mm. kind of created an ecosystem. You know, and I think now the government has an opportunity with either broadband investment, 5G broadband, or with uh, what they're trying to do with the new Green Deal, the climate uh, technology. You yeah. really invest and create an ecosystem of modern manufacturing in the United States. So I think there's some combination of that. And the, the, the third idea at the thing is, I do think investing in education, especially vocational education to reskill people, because it's a very real, there's no way to modernize manufacturing without creating job displacement. So you should just be proactive about that and be a part of the solution and not part of the problem.
0: Yeah. And create those, create those skills and those opportunities. And I absolutely agree with you. And I think, um, what we don't want to do is, is create, create China or Shenzhen in, you know, in Southern California, because it's not, it's not going to work. There is a vision, there is a opportunity to create this new, largely autonomous, largely automated, largely digital manufacturing ecosystem that is, that is really exciting and, and really dynamic. And there are some, you know, there are a whole bunch of innovation assets there, but there are also a whole bunch of manufacturing companies mm-hmm. that could be, um, could be digitally transformed. So mm-hmm. infrastructure, education, what do you think in terms of, um, you know, incentives? Would you like to see government policy incentivizing manufacturing companies to invest in automation, maybe giving them tax breaks to do that? Or, you know, is that a good, a good way of spending incentive dollars?
1: At an intuitive level, it feels like it. I mean, Philip, I haven't thought this through enough, nor am I really skilled on, you know, the policy side, but it does feel like, I mean, certainly incenting companies to reskill workers is important. Mm. Uh, You know, what companies shouldn't just do is take modern technology and then displace jobs and keep the profits for themselves. I mean, I really do think we need to reinvest in creating skills. That feels... But you, I do think that there are certain sort of incentives or in, investments. Um, I mean, like you're seeing the US try to do this with the semiconductor business. You know, kind yeah. of incent TSMC or someone to come here and set up a modern, you know, manufacturing environment. I think trying to do that, you know, have some showcases of automation to kind of spur that probably would be a good investment as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I've been, on the investment side, it's been really interesting. I've been fascinated to watch what's happened with some of the um, investment fund and uh, Eclipse who are invested in Bright Machine are a great example. Seeing companies that really, investors that really know manufacturing, mm-hmm. um, you know, start to pick For and sure. build ecosystems and pick companies that go together and, you know, um, WVRI and uh, 40 North are doing the same kind of thing. So there are some some interesting examples. Do you see more and more of that? Do you see more innovation investment happening in manufacturing because of this opportunity?
1: I I see investment happening in manufacturing. I see investment happening in what people call deep tech and science. I mean, Mm -hmm. I do think, how many more SaaS companies can people... You know, come yeah. up with it. I mean, you know, the traditional investment model has been SaaS or security or, you know, data yeah. storage companies. And yeah, I think there's a demand for that. But there's a whole set of problems that are very rich and actually unlock very large opportunities. I mean, I yeah. manufacturing is a very large industry. Construction is a very large industry. Medicine is a very large industry. health. And these are the next sort of, you know, industries that need investment and innovation. And I do think there's a new generation of investors who are really looking to do this rather than fund the next social networking uh, startup.
0: Yeah. And I think what's interesting there, Amar, is we're seeing some great exits as well as some great investments. You know, even this week with Proto Labs um, acquiring 3D hubs, but... You know, we've seen some really substantial IPOs and um, and and um, trade deals in terms of exits that I think are really really nice. exciting. Nice. When we look specifically at digital transformation and manufacturing, there's 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 a whole lot of talk and maybe not as much walk as we as we'd like to see. Have you seen some real shining examples of of where value is delivered where? You know, you can see a project to do it, digitally transform a specific process, and you're seeing a real ROI in terms of yeah, business okay. and I mean, business opportunity.
1: I mean, Phil, I'd say, look, we're in the early innings of the digital transformation. So what you see mm-hmm. right now are green shoots. I mean, you can't, you know, there isn't a company that has completely reinvented itself digitally. Like, I mean, you look at the retail space and you say, you know, Amazon is a digital first company, right? Now there are other companies that are kind of moving in that direction quite substantially. I think manufacturing is in its early stages. What I will say is that maybe I'll give you three examples. I've seen Hmm. one company that, you know, there are multiple companies, but really invest in warehousing, right? Really do a good job of building a digitally driven warehousing system where they can you know, respond to e-commerce demands in a very strong way. I've seen another one that I have seen that, that uses IoT technology for preventive maintenance in water systems. And, you know, that's an example of digital technology being applied and being able to, you know, improve the efficiency and uptime. And in our particular world, you know, in automation, we've got lots of examples of companies who have worked with technology for digitally enabling the assembly line, the production line, and seeing increased throughput, Mm -hmm. uh, 70% increased throughput, while reducing the amount of, you know, labor required to build the product. So, you know, maintain quality or improve quality. So there's real, you know, the good thing about digital technologies now is that they are no longer bright, shiny objects. They are doing the hard work of everyday Improving productivity and quality for our
0: customers. Yeah, yeah, and I really like those models, Amar. I, I refer to these often uh, in stuff I've written as digital building blocks, and this idea that you can say, you know, this is a digital building block. It's going to cost you two hundred thousand dollars to install, or it's going to cost you two hundred thousand dollars over over a year. And it's going to, you know, replace this. It's going to improve this. And it's going to, you know, it's going to save you maybe $400,000 right. or something like that. that I, I love the simplicity of that. And I kind of, um, you know, look forward to a time where we're seeing lots of examples. And I think there are so many foundational layers that we've already started to get into place you know things like cfx and um, different communication standards are important the advances in ai is important so i think we're moving in the right direction Um, when you look at what bright machines have 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 got coming uh, what's changed what are you shaking up what what have you got that's exciting for us in 2021 and what are your expectations and ambitions for the year
1: we have lots of expectations and ambitions for the year. I mean, I'd say, um, you know, we are deepening our uh, investment in software that uh, for industrial automation, right? So increasing the level of intelligence. And you put sort up of, our name, Bright Machines comes from the idea that we're giving eyes and brains to machines. Mm-hmm. A lot of what we are looking forward to in 2021 is really doing some cutting edge stuff with machine learning and computer vision to make the whole process of going from a product development or sort of a engineered product development uh, proposal to a finished product, very quick and simple. And I think, you know, we're trying to connect all the dots and integrate the process. So I think that's uh, from a, an innovation perspective, you know, our dream is to make building of physical products as easy as it is to make digital products. Right? Today, yeah. I can write code, deploy on a server and have somebody in Ireland using it in five minutes. And our goal is sort of to do the same thing with physical products. And I think we will take a big step function on that in 2021. Then, of course, the other thing for us that's super important you know, in the next 12 months is to continue to work closely with some leading customers and you know show that this stuff really works. Yeah. And we've done a lot of that in 2020, but I think we have the opportunity to go from projects to really partnerships with some customers in the year. Yeah. So yeah. really looking forward to that.
0: Yeah. And I think that that term partnership is 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 really important. I think one thing we learned in 2020 was that we could only get through this by collaborating. Mm-hmm. And we saw lots of great almost some unexpected examples of collaboration and I was excited by those. And maybe it's allowed people to understand that we can you know, collaborate and communicate and work well with other people in, in our ecosystem, in our space without, without feeling we're, we're competing with them too much. Do you feel there's a stronger sense of collaboration and, and obviously to do what you want to do, to have those ambitions? there's a whole bunch of people you've got to collaborate with.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you know, look, look, I think there's this interesting tension always between you take any particular activity such as manufacturing and specialization naturally occurs. You know, there are people who are good at things and you end up with a specialization. But to really make it work from a, a productivity, efficiency, a quality perspective, you have to then connect those dots of specialization. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things that has happened is, Uh, I think manufacturing is moving from a model that is cost driven to a world that is more customer service driven. And when you are trying to be more customer service driven, then you really have to connect those dots. And I think that pressure is what is helping everybody collaborate. And certainly I think technology has been a part of it, whether it be the internet, Zoom, you know, whatever else. And I think all of that is starting to help and I think uh, there's a bunch of people we partner with to bring our product to market. And that's been a really good, uh, good, good feeling.
0: Yeah. And Amar, I think that part of that trend you're talking about is what I refer to as a shift from a capacity led uh, manufacturing ecosystem to a more demand led manufacturing ecosystem, not this idea of we'll build it and they'll come, but this idea of, this is what we need, how do we get it manufactured in the most efficient way um, for them? And I think that's a a big switch to flip in terms of the way the manufacturing industry exists and operates, and one that particularly the large EMS companies are gonna have to respond to because I think that's much more what OEMs are looking for, especially in terms of not just demand in terms of volumes, but demand in terms of geographic demands uh, you know, resilience, agility, all those things. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, exciting times. For sure. La- last question. When we look at a world with um, the majority of the population vaccinated and at and a, and a safer place to travel and do business, what are you most looking forward to? Is it getting on vacation or is it getting back to a trade show?
1: You know what? I mean, I would love to go see a sporting event again. I mean, I think I miss going to the Golden State Warriors games. I miss going to the cricket grounds at Lords or Wimbledon. Or oh, I think my my own personal thing would be to go to a music concert or a sporting event. That's what yeah. I'm looking forward to. From business perspective, I would say, Philip, I'd love to go. I miss visiting customers. I mean, we do collaborate over you know the the over technology like Zoom, but being able to walk their facilities, be able to see the products yeah. they make. I think that you learn so much, and you're so inspired by what work people do. Yeah, that's the other thing I'm looking forward to.
0: Yeah, there's nothing nicer than walking a factory floor with the CEO, um, and then you know maybe going out to lunch with them afterwards, where you learn a bit more about them. You don't get you don't get that from Zoom. I I have to confess to being in the enviable position of having. Semi-final tickets for the Australian Open, which is actually happening live because here in Melbourne we've managed to get our case numbers down to zero for something like seventy out of the last eighty days. So um, we've got all these tennis players in hotels doing quarantine, but uh, hopefully it'll be a a Nadal or a Djokovic semi-final that I'll get to see. All right, well, very, very, very excited about that. But yep, it looks like. It looks like another interesting year. You know, we're start we're starting with plenty of challenges, but let's hope um, hope that it pushes forward and it it does. I think the idea that it is going to signal an acceleration in digital transformation is is good news for for you as a business, but I also think it's great news for the industry and it's. It's great news for manufacturing in the U.S. and various other places. So Good um, looking forward to that. Amar, thanks so much for your time. Always an absolute pleasure to chat and look forward to doing so in the near future. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.